Welcome to Managing Marketing and uh, today I'm in Sydney but I've got a visitor from the old country, a proper lady apparently, called Hannah Goff who's an MSIPS Qualified Sourcing and Supplier Relationship Management Marketing Specialist. Welcome Hannah. Thank you very much for having me. What brings you to the Antipodes? Um, a mixture of things, family as well as business and obviously to meet you, Darren, to do the podcast. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> but I believe you're uh, jumping and uh, on a plane and managing to get some holiday as yeah, well. Yeah, at the very end, at the very end. I have been working very hard. Before you go back, putting the nose back to the grindstone, absolutely, as they say. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, look, one of the things that I've noticed is I've never met a procurement person who, during secondary school or high school, went, when I grow up, I want to work in procurement. So how did you end up in procurement? How did I end up in procurement? I actually started on the shop floor at Marks and Spencers um, and moved from there into uh, a gig, I like to call them gigs, gig at Debenhams, buying the mannequins and doing the store fit-outs. Um, so that's where it started for me. Was it something that I set out to do? Not 100%. I actually wanted to be a buyer um, of fruit and to chase the sun. So have I ended up where I want to be? No, but marketing is absolutely my passion now that I've fallen into it. So yeah, all good things. So you fell in, you would say you fell into marketing because I certainly fell into advertising. I was a, uh, a research scientist when I became a copywriter. Yeah. What You were at Debenhams. So I was at Debenhams doing the store fit outs and buying the creative fixtures and fittings. So for example, if we had a concession, Ted Baker was one, um, we would help them create the store um, fittings to entice the customers over to shop in that small concession. So that's where my exposure to creative and marketing started. And from then, 100% hooked. I've gone to a couple of jobs in between, but I've always found myself coming back to marketing because that's that's where the passion is that for me is it's almost a no-brainer it's 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 natural for me I don't feel I have to try very hard at it of course I try very hard but it comes naturally to me I, I find it quite passionate well isn't so you have a natural passion yeah. for marketing and creativity yeah okay. but I also do not consider myself a marketeer and I have to make that super clear every time I go into a new gig with people that is not my expertise it's something that I'm very I'm very aware that a lot of people do who, who do marketing procurement sometimes give the impression that they think they could do marketing. I absolutely don't think I could do marketing whatsoever. They're the experts and I'm there to assist them. So you have a passion and an appreciation for marketing, yeah. Yeah. but you're not trying to infuse yourself uh, into that role, yeah. which is interesting because I do occasionally meet uh, people that work both sides of the fence. Yeah. They'll be marketeers and they'll be marketing procurement people and they'll go back and forwards across those two. Yeah, which is an incredible. I'd love to be able to do that. Um, I just don't think that's not something that would come naturally for me. For me, my personality is better suited to procurement and a slight process 
um, as opposed to the more creative. So I guess I've got the beauty of commercial and creativity, but I think every decent marketing procurement person should have that in today's environments that we're working within. Well, you must uh, be aware of all of the criticism that comes down on procurement, yeah, especially yeah. from agencies and especially from uh, and and even some marketers, but especially from agencies. Yeah, and that largely, if you summed it all up, it's just about getting the lowest possible price. I, I fundamentally disagree. I'd like to think that anyone that I've ever worked with would disagree with that statement. I think, of course, there are examples of people who don't buy correctly, um, but I don't think anyone that I've worked with would say that it's not... A, for me, it's not ever about just price. In the evaluations that I do when we're, we're pitching, we're doing scorecards, which everybody in the pitch um, has the ability to give their feedback. I was asked for three positives and three negatives that we can then feed back to an agency. Um, and I think that's what puts those that are doing it correctly um, shoulders above anyone else. And by that I mean my job is there to help give insight to both sides, both the people that are doing the pitch, but also the agencies who come and work with us. So I've always done calls afterwards, which may sound really straightforward, but the amount of feedback that I get to say, this is the first pitch we've ever done and you're calling us and giving us feedback. Why wouldn't I do that? Of course it's a conversation as opposed to, sorry you didn't get the work, I'm you know dropping you an email or, or, or not writing to them at all. But of course I do a phone call with them and I also ask for feedback on the process that, that we've done. Um, and I've, I've learned a lot in just the past six months from that of you did this and, and, and it wasn't appreciated or um, you you um, suggested you were going to pay us for the pitching, which again is something that's, a, that's different and it's new, but that's based on feedback. But we got it wrong as well by asking to pay for the pitch and then asking for ownership of the ideas that they were pitching. Mm. I now find like that wasn't appropriate. Who are we to say here's X amount of money and, and that idea is ours and we might put it in a... You know, it's that yeah. type of thing. No, look, I, I absolutely agree with you um, because we say to clients, if you want to own the ideas, you have to pay a commercially fair rate for the idea to say, here's a token, a peppercorn payment. Yeah. And by the way, we own everything you've done. Yeah. Actually devalues the very process that you're procuring. The process is to create value out of creating ideas. Well, absolutely. And that was never my intention. You know, the the intention was I'm going to do the right thing because the amount of feedback that I've heard that it costs an agency a lot of money to pitch, then of course I'm going to make sure that as a brand that I'm working for, we're seen as as, as different, as as uh, more respectful. But did I get it right on that occasion? No, I didn't. But you live and learn. Yeah, of course. So now, I'll I'll take you back a step because providing feedback, it is absolutely the mandatory thing that you should do if you run any sort of tender process. You'd agree? absolutely agree, yeah. And yet it's one of the biggest areas of failure, and it's not just procurement failure, it's also marketer failure. Because when we've run pitches, 
will say, now we have to, you know, the, the marketers are very happy and they, oh, we've appointed Agency B, let's go off and have our fun with Agency B. And I go, well, before you do, we've got A and C who yeah. have missed out yeah. and we need to set up a meeting and sit down and give them a thorough debrief on what they did right and what they did wrong and how they could improve for the future. And I would say the vast majority of marketers are not interested. They couldn't think of doing anything worse. If I said to them, here's a pair of pliers, could you pull your front teeth out? They'd go, is that an option instead of yeah. doing the feedback? It's, it's uncomfortable, don't get me wrong, but with everything, the more you practice something, the more it becomes second nature. And it's important for the marketers to also take responsibility for, we've made this decision, we have collectively decided that this is the reason that you are or are not getting um, the work. And yeah, I'm gonna stand by it and I'm going to be on this phone call with Hannah when I phone up the agency. And the amount of people who behave very ungraciously, and I mean that from the agency side, when we try to give them feedback, that speaks volumes, but also, I've had such nice emails from people when we've let them down and I've said I really appreciate some feedback and I, I can't remember his name, I should go back and check. There was one guy in the most recent pitch that we did who wrote war and peace about I think you could have done this better but it wasn't criticism, it was constructive and it was, you know, that brief was an absolute delight. Thank you so much for allowing us to work on it. I'll obviously remember that agency she says not remember it. I, I know who the agency was and I just have to be yeah don't 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 of course don't. I'm not gonna <laughs> but um but that's not to say that I'm biased to that agency it's just behavior the behavior of a person and how they they dealt with us and vice versa those are the people that I would want any business to do business with because people like people well, we, we, we've had the same of uh, the bad response from an agency in fact we had one just recently where a company was running a tender they'd started the tender they'd actually engaged with agencies but then realized it wasn't going anywhere and the reason it wasn't going they called us and we came in the reason it wasn't going anywhere was there wasn't a clear vision of what success would look like so they'd gone into the process and then quickly got themselves log jammed because they had all these conflicting opinions about which direction that they should be going mm. so we sat down with them we told all the agencies look we're, we're reviewing the process we'll get back to you but it's going to possibly be a rebrief and we sat down with all of the stakeholders internally and we worked out a very clear vision of what success would look like at the end of this process and then we went back and we had to tell some of the agencies, because they had this ridiculously long list of agencies they'd engaged with very early on. Right. And we had to say to them, look, it's a new brief and you are no longer relevant to this new brief, this yeah. new direction. So, look, we thank you. Thanks for participating. But, you know, we, we won't be going any further. There was one guy who phoned up and phoned me directly and said... Um, no one's spoken to me, and yet when I checked with the team, two people had uh, had very long conversations, that had a meeting, but in his mind, he'd just been dumped. He said it was worse than being dumped by text. Well. Right? So almost delusional. Yeah. So you do have to deal with that, but that's part of being professional. 
And it's also part of being respectful of the process and of the people that you invite to participate, isn't it? Absolutely agree. It, probably in his defence, he's, you know, a very passionate person. Yeah, there's passionate and then there's, <laughs> like, mm, and then yeah. there's mental illness. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't joke about it, but yeah. <laughs> well, because I think he was delusional. Yeah. You know, because everything that could have been done had been done, but he just felt uh, somehow that he was left cut or dry. Well, there you left. go. So you will sleep well knowing that you did your job properly. And that's that's all you can ask for. Do, do the best that you can and surround yourself with the people that are going to assist you to do that. But have there been any of the roles or gigs that you've done where there's been incredible pressure simply to reduce the price. Yes, and that's why I'm not at those companies anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You you work this out in your career. What do I get out of bed for in the morning? What is going to make me happy? Like, no one goes to work, I don't think, to do a bad job. But when, when the focus is money saving only and that's not that's not what sits comfortably with you then you just have to appreciate that that's not a gig for you and i and i say that with there are so many people that do what i do marketing procurement there will be so many people that do get out of bed to save money and that's what drives them and if i'm in a role that they can't have because I'm in that role and I'm not happy in it, it absolutely doesn't make sense. So work out quite quickly what part of marketing procurement you are good at and then stick with that. So money, cost, no, it's part of the job, but it's not It's not what I'm there for. So your personal reward, yeah. would it be fair to say, is based on improving the performance and the value of relationships and, and processes and, and contracts rather than just simply saving a few bucks. Absolutely. Nothing makes me happier than looking at a contract that's not fit for purpose and then helping make it fit for purpose. And by that I mean so that anyone can pick up that contract and understand this is what the agency or whoever is meant to be doing for us and then let's keep having those relationships and those conversations to to check that we're all on track like it is as simple as that and I know it, I'm making it very simplistic but that's what it should be it's not rocket science it's speaking to people communicating you don't need to keep having loads of meetings and you don't have to have loads of minutes to those meetings but if you can say when it comes to you know having to pitch a new piece of business absolutely we're going to give it to our current creative agency because they do an excellent job and if anyone was to question me on it here's the examples of um their service levels and how they've been performing against them i know hand on heart they're doing an excellent job not only because everyone says they are but also because there's the evidence it's it's bad on both sides when you get to a situation like you do with aldi at the moment where everyone's a bit shocked that they're tendering how has that happened? That, and After so many years. Well, you know, things change. So, But they haven't changed for 28 years. Well, no. Why are they changing now? So and it, I think you've brought it up. But, no, you know, why wrong. is procurement driving it? Do you know what? Why didn't the marketers make that decision? I just think that's bad press. I read that and I was quite annoyed to see procurement being held up as 
big bad procurement come in again and after X amount of years, who knows what goes on behind closed doors? So none of us know that it wasn't... Except I've read reports that say it is a procurement initiative. And it might be. And it might be that procurement know things that the marketers also know. So for example, uh, yes, maybe prices maybe prices become an issue or maybe someone new has come in and they have an an awareness of the processes that Audi are going through and with with the agency and it's more complicated than it should be. So 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 you would subscribe to a go to market every three years? No. No I wouldn't. Well and but but otherwise you could end up waiting twenty eight years. No, but when do you go to market then, Hannah? When do you go to market? You go to market, if I'm really honest, I think you go to market when the relationship has broken down and there's nothing that either side can do to make it better. And that sounds pretty severe, but you shouldn't be going to market if someone's doing a good job and you're happy with them. It's, it's like dating. Yeah, like, if it's not broke, you... don't fix. Yeah, and continually evolve that relationship and the only way to have a, an excellent relationship with someone is by communicating and and you'll have time on your side so do i think bbh know that business inside out of course they do of course they do and so you'd hope that through the process being run fairly they will come out on top and then all the all the haters can go can get back in their boxes. Okay, but I'll give you a counter view, yeah. which we've seen happen a lot. Okay, I've been involved in a pitch where the marketers are very happy with the incumbent. It's a good relationship, but the feeling is that we need to go to market just to see what else is out there. Here's the worst scenario for the incumbent. They know so much about the business. They also have quite a long history of what the marketing team over the years has liked, not liked. Mm-hmm. Um, if they go back and play, well, you know, wear the comfortable old shoe that has uh, tr- you know, treated you well and, and delivered everything you need, they're going to be knocked off by someone that comes in that's new, flashy, offers something because marketers, by their very nature, are very attracted to the new. They want something new. They're very happy with their old agency. It's the great conundrum of the incumbent. How do I reinvent myself enough that I can compete with the new offering? And the other thing is, a lot of those new agencies who don't understand what it's really like working with that company will make all sorts of claims and, and proposals that may never actually work. Yeah. Whereas the incumbent can't say that because then the market also say, well, why haven't you done that in the past? Well, yeah, true. (laughs) It is is the worst position. It is a tricky one, but I'd like to think that with the correct guidance, you know, as long as you have the right people in the room making those decisions, and I'm not talking just the marketeers and procurement, I also mean legal like have legal there from the very beginning Mm. which not many people appreciate that that should be someone who's in the room agree but legal keepers i don't want to say they keep us out of jail they don't they just they bring the common sense to the table and also they're there to give a guide of 
do you know what? We've sent um, our contract template out to everybody, not to mark up and take time in it, but we've sent it out and said, if there's any howlers, come back and let us know. The legal person will also be able to guide the marketeers and everyone else in that room to say, these guys actually do or do not know what they're doing because I've, I've been given an indication based on what they've sent back about the contract. Mm. You know, they're being difficult to to negotiate with or yeah. they're being difficult on these elements. Do we really want to go into business with people like this? So again, there's those types of scenarios that get the guidance from the people that should be within the room. And, and going back to the Audi thing, I still don't think it's procurement leading it. I think, you know, it takes... It takes a number of people to make that decision. And yet, everyone's shocked in the market that this is happening. But I also think BBH, as long as they remain gracious through this, that's excellent PR for them. If they get through this and they win this, they're absolutely laughing. One of the earliest pitches that I ran was for a company, an English company in Australia, who had had the same agency for like over 30 years from the time they'd arrived in Australia to running this pitch. And they went with a new agency as part of the pitch. And the incumbent ran a full page ad in the uh, Australian Financial Review, the business newspaper, that said uh, over the last 43 years, um, this company has had so many CEOs, so many CMOs, launched so many brands with so many campaigns, but only had one agency. We are now available to all of their competitors. Wow. Right? Yeah. But we wish them all the best for the future. Yeah. Right? And I thought, I really love that because it had class, but it also had a attitude of, guys, we've been doing the best we can for you for so long. Mm. We understand you want to move on. But you have to understand as well that we now have the option of moving on as well. Yeah. And that's part of the deal. They lost, in that decision, this company lost 43 years of corporate knowledge Mm. in this market. And also sometimes as a brand, you're a nightmare. You are 100% the nightmare. And the incumbent, sometimes by refusing to pitch again... It means that you really were a nightmare brand. <laughs> well, you may say that, but I couldn't possibly comment in this oh, case. Oh, like, have been there, done that. Like, sometimes I know that we are, yeah, a nightmare brand. I've had examples where I've gone back to people and said, I think the hours and the allowances that you've put in to run this account are too low, only because I know the brand and mm. will take twice as long as a normal, as another normal brand, and we're not as sophisticated or as commercial as you might need us to be, and you're going to have to teach us along the way. So you might want to relook at those hours that you've put in. I mean, for someone in marketing procurement to say that, that's pretty rare, I think. Mm. But also, you don't want to But also incredibly responsible. Yeah, and you don't want to mislead someone Mm. and make a decision to move to another agency, if that's the outcome, and then in six months' time, it's not working that's just failure on everybody's part but if you know that you're a difficult brand or slower to respond to stuff that should absolutely be part of that brief we're not like everybody else because of xyz therefore you're going to have to treat us differently Mm. now you've mentioned legal and you've mentioned contracts yeah um and my experience has been that uh, contracts often get signed 
at the end of a pitch or tender process. And then everyone seems to forget about them. What do you think is the real value of a great contract? So the guy that taught me supplier relationship management um, said that the second you sign a contract and put it in a drawer, you, you lose 75% of that value. Mm. 100%. It's like driving a car off a courtyard when it's brand new. Like all these amazing things. but So going back to the question... Where's the value in the contract? Because yeah. yeah, a lot of marketers and a lot of agencies, it's like they see it as something that has to be done. But my personal belief is that it's a living, you know, it's like an important living document for the relationship. Because first of all, it defines roles and expectations mm-hmm. for both parties. It also should spell out the um, what, what to do should things start going wrong. And it also mitigates risk for both parties around a whole lot of complex issues like intellectual property and and uh, liabilities, commercial liabilities, and things like that. Yeah. So I think it's like anything. Once you start the relationship, of course, you need to keep going back to that contract, and I mean that only by to remind yourself what the strategy was, what the brief was that you signed up for, but. I don't think anyone's under any illusion that's an evolving document and mm. it won't it will not be um, updated as it should do or as it should be along the way or 99% of the time it won't be but everyone should have an understanding of this is how the relationship's going to evolve and this is where we're starting to change the business so one of the banks um, that I worked at they were so focused on 40 stages of getting that contract up onto a system, updating it, having the meetings, documenting everything. Do I think that we spent enough time on the actual relationship itself? No, because we were so busy. But it was beautifully documented. Absolutely. So in conjunction with the contract management, they were some very good-looking contracts and amendments to them. Well, we got one uh, only a couple of weeks ago. It's been in place for six years and has 28 amendments. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's that like, type of thing. It's like, okay, but most of the problems here seem to be solved if we just refer to the amendments. Yeah. And the agency actually said... But we don't know which amendment we're meant to be looking at because there's so many of them. It gets complicated. And also, if you're not having the common sense conversations with people, irrelevant of the fact that you've got a contract with, you know, your example of 26, 28 addendums to it, you have an age debt with this company of, I've seen howlers, 8.6 million. How has it got to that situation Mm. where you owe a company that amount of money? (laughs) But your contract is the Rolls Royce of what it should be. So it's it's a really, it's a, I keep saying it's complicated. It's it's it is complicated. But it though. is, and but it's I think at the heart of everything. So having just finished with a company that were they aware of what the suppliers are, are being asked to do, one hundred percent are the relationships where they should be, one hundred percent where the contracts, one hundred percent updated and if you picked it up without knowing the relationship you know you'd be able to tell what they're meant to be doing as a service maybe not Mm. but the relationship's more important and can everyone within that relationship tell you this is what the contract 
should look like and this is what we're expecting from them yes so it's a, it's 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 both sides of it, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone wants to have a very attractive contract that says exactly what you're doing, but then life gets in the way and you but need to be respectful of that. Or even just to get it out once a year and sit down and go, let's have a conversation about where we're at and make sure that this actually reflects that. Yeah. Yeah, and then we can make those changes. Though I did have a CMO who was new to the job, hated the incumbent agency and said, I want to fire them. There's no contract, so just yeah, we're going to fire them. And I go, well, you should give them. Good you know, we're only paying them monthly. I said we should give them three months' notice. They're going to. No, no, go and fire them. And I'm going. You're not coming with me. No, that's what. So I turned up and I, I, I first of all apologised because I didn't think I should be doing it. Yeah. as a consultant and secondly I said I don't believe there's a contract in place and I love this uh, agency uh, managing director said funny you should say that and pulled out a contract <laughs> it was like 15 years old yeah. it had been drafted by the agency there was no uh, termination date so it was for per- perpetuity yeah. and there it was 90 days notice in the contract because it had been drafted by the agency yeah. Now, that was a prime example of the downfall for the marketer of not getting even the most basic commercial arrangement right. Yeah. But going back to it, legal and procurement should be guiding that person to say, you know, reputationally, you're not going to be doing us any, any favours, but also it's the back to basics. Mm. Find the contract. If you don't think you've got the contract, ask. casually ask for it before you've told anyone what you're doing. I'm the queen of like, hi, um, I've just noticed that there might be an addendum to this contract. Can you send me over everything you've got and then I'll take the time to go through it all, which is pretty much yeah, Do me some saying, research. I don't have that contract. Yeah. Um, and 99% of the time, someone will have it. Yeah. Because it would be it would be so foolish not to have it. But then, of course, there are examples of times where you don't have it. But then again, it's all about representing the brand, doing the right thing, and it gets talked about in the industry. If you fire someone with with no grace, it will get talked about. Reputationally, you're not going to do yourself any favors. It's just it's just a no go. It's like pe- like people like to deal with people. So if you behave in what I consider an ungracious manner um, and not professional, that that will haunt you. Or it should haunt you if karma has a role to play in it. <laughs> the, um, Hannah, uh, we spoke about uh, savings and you were very clear that that's not what drives you. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been incentivized no. to deliver savings? <laughs> or have you heard no. about it? Um, I have heard about it. One of the first companies I worked for, and it always seems to be, I'm going to have to choose my words very carefully, it seems to be a third party that is brought in to help the company realise savings. Mm. And they are incentivised. And they'll, of course, anyone who is incentivised like that, who doesn't have to have a long-term relationship, will go in, they'll see where the opportunities are, they'll advise on them and then yeah they leave with their percentage 10% or 20% or whatever which just seems it seems it seems mad like I've heard about that happening but it's usually with yeah I get asked that all the time 
Yeah. As a consultant, I get asked all the time, will I work on a percentage of savings? And and the most recent, the the regional head of procurement was actually suggesting it. Said, rather than charge us a fee, which is what we do, a fixed yeah. fee, they said, will you work for a percentage of savings? And I said, uh, well, sorry, the CMO is just here. So I turned to the CMO and said, would you be happy... To, for me to be engaged on the basis that the more I save out of your agency fees, the more I get paid. Just to take that thought for a minute. Don't answer straight away. And they went, no, of course not. And I went, turned back to the, um, the CPO and I said, when you convince them that it's okay, come and talk to me. Yeah. It just seems mad. It just seems mad. It drives the wrong behaviour. But it's the same with um, agencies and prips and all the rest mm. of it. Like... If it drives the wrong behaviour, why on earth would you want to sign up to it? Yeah. Because there's not always going to be the good eggs, like you and me and Darren. There's going to be those that are driven by the money, which I'm not saying I'm running a charity, but... No, you want to be paid for the services that you provide. Yeah, but I also... Integrity is 100% important in what I do. If anyone questions my integrity, I will have to blow them out of the water because that's that's the reason I get employed by... Mm. All these different companies and if someone's paying me based on a percentage of a saving and I know that I can absolutely annihilate that relationship and strip it of all the goods but have the money in my pocket no just no because it is like I'm saying it drives the wrong behavior and not everyone is always going to be as conscious of doing the right thing mm. so yeah if it drives the wrong behavior I have heard examples of it and yes, I'm aware of when I joined the team that I've just been in, the team were bonused slightly different, but the internal team were bonused on savings. Mm. And again, I don't, I don't know that, that that drives the right behaviour. Oh, we've had that situation where the market has selected one agency, but they ended up with the incumbent because the um, internal team did the negotiations and were bonused on the savings. So... Um, now, one of the uh, the other things, you've had quite a diverse um, uh, types of companies. Uh, I, I'd uh, summarise it by banking, booze and retail. I love that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and they are quite different categories. Even though you've worked in marketing procurement, mm. I would imagine each one has its own challenges and its own sets of circumstances, even brands within each of those categories, yeah? Totally. So let's start with the booze. Um, I had to learn very fast on that one. But things like... What, how to drink? No, I'm an expert in that. Um, Things like you are not allowed to advertise to anyone that looks under the age of 25. Mm. You're not allowed to advertise in certain countries. You have to be aware of, I'm going to call it the dark... It's not the dark web, it's uh, the dark dark advertising Mm. so you know you cannot advertise booze in Mm. lots and lots of markets learning that and then how you not not how you get around that i I phrased that wrong no but how you make sure you comply and mitigate the risks associated absolutely this this is one of the things that always cracks me up is the way people think well we'll push the responsibility onto the agency right for making sure we're compliant the thing is that if I'm going to be suing someone 
why would I sue the agency, which yeah. is a relatively small entity, when their client is usually massively big? If I'm going to sue for either damages or as a fine, I'm not going to go after their agency who did the wrong thing. I'm always going to go yeah. after them. So, so much of this is just risk mitigation, isn't it? It is, but also, I guess it's just common sense, isn't it? But it's stuff you have to learn along the way and learn incredibly fast. So with banking, um, I actually went into the, the banking buying consultancy so for the market, I'm trying to remember what it was called, the market regulation program, just after FATCA and LIBOR had happened. Mm. Did I know anything about this? No. <laughs> but you learn quickly. Oh, thank God for Google. Google is the best, um, <laughs> I swear to God. And But everyone knew, they interviewed me four times and said, we're just not sure. You have a background in this. We like your style, but we are just not sure that you would be appropriate. And I agree with them. It was the hardest learning curve to move industry and move the elements that I was buying. So from marketing and fixtures and fittings over into consultancy. But I had something to prove and I'd, I'd like to think I proved it. But again, regulatory requirements, all the complexity that comes with that, understanding that when you buy consultancy, for example, yes, your full-time employee costs will drop but then everyone, you know, they didn't have the money to spend on full-time staff, so the third-party um, costs suddenly skyrocketed. Yeah. So it's constantly this... Striking the balance and having And having to have conversations it. with the other people within the business who hmm. were buying these commodities and saying, how are you doing with your savings? Oh, brilliant, because no one's buying from X, whereas we're now all buying from Y because that's allowed on the P&L. Things like that is, is nuts, but yeah. again, there you go. So unlike um, a lot of long-term procurement and supply people, when you go to their LinkedIn profile, they'll have one company. They'll have multiple roles, mm. but they'll have one company for 20 or 30 years. You've actually got quite diverse um experience across there and that's because I noticed you've positioned yourself as an interim marketing and relationship yeah. so you're actually now available for people companies looking for a marketing procurement sourcing expert I am thank to you. come and thank work thank you for the plug Darren <laughs> well look I don't know why I'm doing it because in a way you're a bloody competitor so you know. well yeah but over in the UK so well we have operations there it's okay I know. but um yes I am available thank you for the plug um but yeah for me interim is um Interim is a blessing. It means that I can go into a company. I don't have to pretend that I'm going to be there for a long time. I don't have to get um, bogged down with the politics. I can just get in, understand what's going on, hopefully... Drive like, improvement, drive yeah. performance. Look, um, so it's almost like you get into a company and within the first 90 days, you can see all of the opportunity because you're an outsider looking in after that, you start becoming part of the furniture and getting a little bit more comfortable. And yes, you can do better things once you've established yourself. Um, but yeah, for me, the joy is getting in and fixing really fast. Um, and then boomeranging is the absolute bliss where you go into a company, you do the work for them, you move on, 
and then you boomerang mm. back and do more work. So yeah. I, I'm having conversations at the moment with companies that I've worked with previously who honestly just want me to come in to either cover a role or look at something that's, that's come up. And yeah, I'm more than happy to do that because it's, it's exciting. You don't get... You don't get so people would, people would find you on LinkedIn, uh, Hannah yeah. Goff, right? Yes, yes, uh, that's G-O-U-G-H. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, uh, I imagine that comment before that uh, they liked your style, but I can absolutely guarantee that there's substance under the style, yeah. so well done. Thank you. Um, we've run out of time, unfortunately, but I've got uh, one final question um, before we go, and that is, uh, what's been the really worst place you've ever worked?